0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness with former NFL linemen T.J. Lang and John Jansen.
1: Well, we got another episode. We got another loss for the Detroit Lions. And we're going to talk more than just the Detroit Lions because, quite honestly, I'm tired of... Talking about losses, especially ones that kick you in the nuts. Uh, And that other voice you hear is TJ Lang, 10-year NFL vet. I'm John Jansen. You're listening to Necessary Roughness. And I do want to remind you, make sure you subscribe. That way, Necessary Roughness, every time it comes out, it ends up in your inbox. And you don't have to wait. You don't have to search for it. It's right there. If you've got any comments, leave us some comments. Questions, leave it there as well. We'll make sure we get to all of those. But TJ Another tough loss. It was two times in three weeks. They've lost by field goals. They were winning and lost. And you are the first one that gets a chance to talk to Dan Campbell. We're going to talk a little bit more about his emotion that he showed after the game. But And I know you're not in person um, when you talk to him, especially on the road. But mm. what what's your initial reaction to, one, Dan Campbell's comments but also the emotion that he had after the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm the first person that really gets a chance to talk to him. Right, he goes in, he talks to the team, uh, and then he comes to me, and I'm I'm actually in the press box, so I don't get to see him face-to-face. So I'm trying to, you know, do everything I can to gauge his attitude, emotion, and then you kind of... Take the interview wherever it goes, right? I mean, if he's because it's tough because yeah. he's a dude that wears his emotions I mean, on his sleeve. He's very emotional, and football's an emotional game. And like you said, I mean, two times in three weeks, yeah, really, two times in fourteen days oh. that you get kicked in the nuts, yep. and it's just and your heart ripped out. And I, I, you know, I, I, we had about a minute um, before. You know, we we went live, and I, I was talking to Coach a little bit, and I could hear in his voice, I just kind of – I'm like, okay, like, he is just – he's devastated, man. Yeah. Like, he was talking really low, and, uh, you know, just – you could tell that it was a heartbreaking loss. So we get on the interview, and I'm talking to him, and, uh, you know, you, you kind of feel it out a little bit. You know, you don't want to go right into – Hey coach, offense sucked today. What happened? You know, cause he's already deaf. I mean, you don't want to pile on, you know, you know how hard it is to win games in the NFL. You know, how hard it is to lose, how devastating it is to lose by a last second field goal. And unfortunately they've gone through it twice now. Um, so, you know, I, I started with the question, I believe of, you know, how do you process this again? I mean, it's happened to you twice now in two weeks and, Uh, You know, what's the message to the team? And he he got, you know, he he just basically went off about how proud he was of the guy's effort and the way they fought. We talked about the defense who, this defense is just so confusing to me because if you look at them play and you look at, (laughs) uh, you look at them on paper, you're like, they should probably be letting up 40 points a game. Yeah. And the last three games, 19 to Baltimore, explosive offense 24 to Chicago 19 to Minnesota who scored 30 against uh you know some really good teams they've actually been playing pretty good and yesterday taking the ball away twice we talked about that a little bit but I could just tell uh you know you, you could tell I think I looked at somebody you look, looked at the producer and I said I think it man it sounded like he was crying a little bit it sounded mm-hmm. like he was pretty shook and sure as shit you know 20 you know 10 minutes later uh watching his press conference live and yeah, man. I mean, it was—he was an emotional wreck. And um, my initial reaction was, this guy wants, this guy wants the players to win so bad. He mm-hmm. wasn't one of those. Whoa you know, for crying me. for myself, yeah. you know. I, I well, can't just. I just can't. You know. It wasn't one of those. It was one of the. You see how. Owen four team, it's easy to kind of go the other way and just kind of shut down and you get the loser limp, you get a lot of injuries and guys just kind of okay, you know.
0: Well you mentioned but that it.
2: wasn't one of those. I mean, his guys are still going out there fighting their ass off and battling and competing. Something that we've seen from them really through every game besides maybe Chicago, but uh and to still get so close and to have another just devastating moment at the end of the game to not be able to you know get that satisfaction and that reward of celebrating in the NFL locker room having that ripped out of your uh, palm again you know I think you just saw the emotions boil over and I thought it was I really thought it was just passion I thought it was passion and care for the players he respects the hell out of what they're doing for him they want to win for him he wants them to experience that win in an NFL locker room uh, he wants them to see the big picture. Or just keep fighting. It doesn't matter. Everybody's against us. We're ten point dogs on the road. Blah blah blah. Who cares? Let's go in here and get and and just to have that ripped out of your out of your palm in the last <laughs> last play of the game again. It was just it was heartbreaking, man. It sucks. It's a way to lose football games, and it's happened to him now twice.
1: And you mentioned the loser lamp, right? And and I'm not saying that any of these guys are faking injuries. I'm just stating exactly what. The Lions are dealing with right now because you've got Terrell Williams, who's yeah. been out since. They've had a
2: rash, man. Week and,
1: three, and yeah. and you know there's a number of guys. Now it's Quintus Cephas, yeah, right, who who took a a, a tough fall on the sidelines. It sounds like he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, he was but in a lot of
2: pain too, man. That was. Ugh.
1: Have you ever broke your collarbone? No, I don't know that. That's what he did, right? But it I sounds mean, like speculating.
2: That. I mean, I'm watching, and you could just tell the way guys. Yeah, you know, probably shouldn't speculate on it. They said shoulder. Looked like he was grasping at the mm-hmm. clavicle area. He was just in a lot of pain, man. It and sucks. I saw him kind of getting taken off on the cart, and you immediately you're like, ah, oh, that ain't good. But now, you know, oh, yeah. that wasn't good. I mean, just the rat. Romeo. I mean, Okuda. I mean, these are devastating injuries, man. And and you, you also have a lot of
1: guys like Hawkinson, um, yeah. Swift. All of these guys are... They, they're on the questionable list, right. yet they end up playing. And that's part of what plays into the emotion of Dan Campbell is you see these guys going through the pain that they go through to just get on the field for Sunday, right. and you're hoping for a win, and it's for those guys that are playing banged up, but it's also for the guys that Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't know what it's like to get a win right. in the NFL. Yeah. All of those guys. And have you ever had a coach show – not necessarily tear up but show as much emotion as you've seen from from Dan Campbell in his time it's because this this isn't the first time he showed emotion we've yeah. seen it from press conference one
2: yeah no absolutely I don't I don't know maybe publicly but sure you know in meeting, mm-hmm. you know Monday morning meetings you know you no know, I had no line coach James campen who was phenomenal I mean he was a great coach he was there with me my whole career in Green Bay and He was very similar. I mean, he wore his heart on his sleeve, man. And there were games where we'd get in the Monday room and, you know, maybe the old line, you know, let up a couple bad hits to the quarterback, whatever it was, and you see the emotion come out just because you see how much it means to him. And, you know, you could say, I know people are going to be, well, it's just football, man. It's just a game, right? To these coaches, it's their life. Yeah. It is all they know. It is all they do. 24 7, 365. And for a lot of these players,
1: it's their life and it's their game. Like this with the way that this the injuries have hit and with the 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 level of talent, like there's no guarantee that you're gonna get next week. Absolutely. And so they're fighting for everything that they know and believe in. And when it gets ripped, it, the rug gets pulled out of you yeah. against Baltimore. It's, yeah, it, it blows. Yeah. And when it gets pulled out of you again, and, and I, I had a coach, Marty Schottenheimer, who he was an emotional coach. He's a you know, a, he played the game much like Dan Campbell. And when he got into coaching, um, and I only had him for one year, but I would play for, I would have played for him anywhere, anytime if he had asked me to do anything, I would have done it because yeah. we had a, a very hot training camp. He was our coach in two thousand and one with the with the Washington football team, and a lot of things happened that year. One, it, Corey Stringer during that training camp yeah. for Minnesota passed away. That was an emotional part, uh, not just for that team, but for all of NFL because it's a brotherhood, mm-hmm. uh, especially for the offensive line. And I remember distinctly the morning that that he told us that it happened, and we said a prayer, we did some things, and it's the first time that I saw him tear up. And you, you think at that moment, all right, that's you know it, somebody died. That's 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 a legitimate yeah. emotion. It's real life, yeah. And we had started off 0-5. In the middle of that 0-5 run was 9-11. There were a lot of things that, that were emotional. But he was a coach that during training camp, and, and here's one for you, it, I, he had asked if there was, you know, it was hot. We were, you know, we, we were getting after it pretty good. It was a physical training camp. And he said, is there anything that, that you think that would, you know, lighten the mood for these guys? And right outside of our practice facility, we're in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, was this uh, you know dairy um you know little little mom and pop dairy and i mm-hmm. said coach i said i think at the end of practice guys would love to have milkshakes and he this just shows you how focused coaches can be he you know he thought oh that'd be a good idea but he said um how can we get guys to agree on a flavor my like, coach you show up <laughs> <laughs> with milkshakes you call practice 10 minutes early Yeah, it's not going to yeah, matter bitching. <laughs> he did but and and you know guys bought into the emotion that he had throughout all of training camp, and that seems like a little thing, but for football players, it's a big deal. Yeah. And throughout a five-loss start, we were 0-5, guys fought throughout that entire season because they felt like Marty Schottenheimer understood the pain, the suffering, everything that they were going through, the sacrifice.
2: Yeah, in it together.
1: They were in it together, and that's where I make that connection to Dan Campbell because he was a player. He he's asked these players to do things that are uncomfortable, that are painful, for the betterment of the team, for his benefit, for their benefit, for the benefit of the Detroit Lions, and to come away with an emotional loss in Week Five. I I, I think it just shows future play feel future free agents. You know the players that are on the team right now. That's a guy that you want to play for. Yeah,
2: and I kind of go back to you know I know you you're an old school guy I considered myself an old school guy when I played I, I really think I would love to play for Dan Campbell. Oh, I yeah. really think I would man just because everything you said the passion you know how honest he is. I mean he's not a BSer. You get some coaches now that they'll blow smoke you know, up your ass. Yeah, they'll blow smoke up your ass and throw you under the bus up in meetings and mm-hmm. uh you know praise you to your fate. You get that? There's a lot of that in the NFL but Dan Campbell's not that type of guy. I think if I was still playing, I'd love to play for a guy like that. And, and it's funny when you when you look at the two 0-5 teams right now. Sure, they're similar record-wise, hmm. but it's a complete different <laughs> vibe going in Detroit and Jacksonville. Yeah. That situation is a show. You've got your head coach after a tough loss, not getting on the plane, going to party, getting in trouble, getting all these pictures taken with randoms, that, I mean, talk about the distraction going on in Jacksonville right now. I mean, if you're 0-5 in Jacksonville's locker room, it's probably like a, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, yeah, like I'm going to go out there and yeah, make coach, sure I do mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to try to take care of me. And, and probably the attitude in Detroit, I mean, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And I know that Jacksonville has Trevor Lawrence, whatever. They've probably got some better, younger talent on that team. Maybe, you know, to be better off, I don't know, maybe in the immediate future. But you give me a choice between Jacksonville and Detroit right now,
1: Oh, I'm taking Detroit
2: a 1,000% of the time. I mean, it's not even close. Just because you see the togetherness, you see the unity, it's not coaches versus players, and it's not coaches throwing players under the bus after losses or players throwing coaches under the bus after losses. Everybody's in it together, and that makes – a big-ass difference, man. When you have coaches that you want to win for. I mean, if I was a player in that locker room yesterday watching Dan Campbell's press conference, yeah, you're pissed about the loss. You're devastated. You're heartbroken. But there's probably another part of you that's heartbroken for your coach because yeah. you see how much he puts into it. And you see how much these guys fight and how he gets every ounce out of them possible. And you can I, I can just tell you for a fact that those guys want to win for their coaches, and mm-hmm. their coaches want to win for the players. There's no me in that locker room. It is a unified locker room. It's, it sucks that they're own five that they haven't gotten to see, at least the vision of what what the you know plan is. But I'd rather have that situation all day.
1: But. You can't see the vision because there's not a win, but can you still see the vision? And and I want to talk about some of the young guys because we saw Monroe St. Brown um, probably have his best game, right? Um, in terms of you know receiving and and you know yards production, right? Production, all of that. But defensively, I thought it was the best game. Now I know that um, um, Derek Barnes had one very. You know, bad play, b- bad play, yeah. very visual play that everybody was able to see. But Barnes, um, as well as uh, uh, Ali McNeil and Levi Onsareke, yeah. those three guys, I thought that that was their best game um, to this t- to this point.
2: Yeah, by far. And you take away the one fifty-yard run uh, by Madison. Madison had. Yeah. I mean, it, it it ended up being uh, you know twenty-five carries, one hundred and thirteen yards. You take away that run, now you are talking. You know, 24 carries, mm-hmm. whatever, 63 yards. I mean, against the Vikings? <laughs> I mean, I know there was no Dalvin Cook. And Madison's no bum himself, but yeah. they were really play- That you, – you're absolutely right. That was my – just watching this team up close and personal, that was the best defensive game I've seen them play. And it didn't feel that way at first because – in the first half, it kind of seemed like Minnesota Justin was Jefferson doing whatever, whatever they wanted, right? Yeah. yeah, and the first couple drives, you know, third and six, oh, 30-yard throw to Jefferson. Third and 12, 17-yard throw to Justin Jefferson. It was like, okay, it's going to be one of those games. Can't get off the field. And then they made stops at crucial points. And you're, if you told me that Minnesota was going to score one touchdown in that game, mm-hmm. I would have told you you were freaking nuts right? I would have no. said what, in the first drive? <laughs> Jefferson <laughs> yes. and Thielen are probably going to have four between the two of them. That's yeah. just how you think of this team. But I think they're starting to change that kind of visual a little bit of they're going to give up some big plays. They're going to give up some chunk plays. But when you let up 19 points to Baltimore and you let up 19 points to Minnesota, I mean that stats speak for themselves, man. I thought that they played a, well, a really good game. Now the challenge is the young guys, right, they are they don't know any better. They're going to keep their head down. They're going to keep grinding. They've got to make a name for themselves. The challenge is the veteran leadership on that team. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. And I, I think they've got the right guys in place. I really do. But that's the challenge moving forward is how, how much longer can you keep the optimism going while you're still losing games, right? That's the challenge that the coaches are now going to have. Mm-hmm and that the veterans are going to have to make sure that they keep that locker room tight and they keep that locker room in check because this is a time of year where you start losing games. Guys might not start staying, you know, 30 minutes late to watch film together. Guys might not start coming in early as, you know, maybe they once did. So that's going to be the challenge moving forward. But I think they've got the right guys. I think the coaching staff's going to keep them, you know, ready to go and, um, <laughs> Yesterday just would have been such a big moment for that team just to go on the road and well, finally and get they, that. Okay, we did it, man. We're uh, we, we're on the right track. We, we've been fighting our ass off. The challenge is also going to be not letting Minnesota Beach twice because they obviously had a little bit of an emotional hangover after that Baltimore game and went and played a dud in Chicago. Yeah. So how? what are the lessons you've learned after that Baltimore game? Maybe you let that drag on to Wednesday or Thursday. We don't know. Um how are you gonna? How are you gonna? Uh, how are you gonna take that on this week?
1: Yeah, because they got Cincinnati uh, at home. Then obviously the uh, the one that everybody's looking yeah, at the trip out
2: to L. A. Yep.
1: Um, and then they've got the Eagles at home. And I think yep. you know two out of those three games you'd love you'd love to say three out of those three games are winnable. Two out of those three games, I think you could
2: be in. Yeah, the home games. Yeah,
1: yeah, the two home games. Um, so we'll, we'll see what the Lions end up doing over the course of, of the next couple of weeks, how they rebound. Uh, but I do want to shift a little bit to college football because I know uh, both of us are big-time college football fans, mm-hmm. and it was a hell of a weekend. I mean, the the games on Saturday from noon until you know, 11 o'clock at night, there were surprises, there were great games. Um, what caught your eye on, on Saturday? What was the, the biggest outcome? And Because we do have a new number one. Yeah, you know Alabama. The yeah,
2: the old uh, evil empire has fallen. <laughs> they have gone down. I th- didn't it feel like that was kind of brewing a little bit. I this thought didn't it was seem coming. Like the first, I don't know what, five six games didn't really seem like a vintage Alabama team.
1: No, it didn't. Especially they were still defensively, winning, but they yeah. weren't
2: winning like you know fifty two to three like they usually do. Right? They got into some dog fights. I think that. Uh, I mean that definitely stands out. You get you go on the road a And M, who's you know it's a tough place to play, but unranked team, and you get knocked off. I mean that that one stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you talk about the Michigan game too. Even you can throw in Michigan State in there as well. I mean, you know, a couple of local teams, but Michigan the way that it, I, I saw something from them that we haven't seen in a long time, and that was the way they handled adversity. Mm-hmm. Right, this kind of seemed like a team in the past. Maybe four or five years that uh, you know, yep, it's too good to be true. You know, uh, Nebraska got the momentum back. I mean, there was one point we were at dinner, I think it was nineteen to seven, five minutes later in the car ride, they're losing 22-19. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just, what the hell just happened? And uh-huh. that and then you get, you know, back to the hotel, you watch the rest of the game and it just kinda seemed like that was a game that they were gonna fall short. Well but when you saw them battle back and the fight that they had. And that's just something I know. Listen, sure. They're a top 10 team. You go on the road. Doesn't matter who you play. You're expected to win, but you get into those dog fights, man, Nebraska, I know you've played there. Nebraska is not an easy place to play, especially a night game. the the, the way that they, well, I appreciate you way, thinking I'm that
1: young. The I, uh, like, they were yeah, not in the, you Big, they were ten, were in the no. Big Ten back You've
2: been there as a broadcaster. Uh, you know how tough the it's environment a great was Saturday, environment, right? Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, actually, yeah. You probably hate Nebraska because you had to split a championship with well, them. Back well, whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa, whoa! God, I thought we were going to be cordial on this. One
2: A and one B was
1: that? Yeah, what it was? if Scott Frost <laughs> wants to go ahead and, uh, and and you know claim it, yeah, uh, be a politician. No, but that that,
2: that was just it. it, it, wow. it I, I've seen, I've seen just a Michigan team that you haven't seen in a long time, a team that's handled their business, a team that really the first time all season they trailed and, and got behind and faced the adversity, uh, able to handle it in the right way. Yeah, uh, I thought that, that you know that's and listen, they, Penn State, Ohio State, even Michigan State, tough games, mm-hmm. but. That goes a long way for a young team when you're able to handle adversity that way. I think it was a huge back, win. I mean, that's a huge confidence boost.
1: It's a huge win. It's on the road. Yeah, um, you know, coming into the game, Nebraska was 3-3. Three and three. They weren't ranked. It wasn't like going to Wisconsin and you finally beat uh, a team that you're an underdog. There's a lot of things, that, and I think it even goes back to that Wisconsin game. Going into halftime, that little bloop kick that they tried, it set up, you know, Wisconsin's offense, Graham Burtz, they hadn't had anything going that right. all of a sudden, you know, boom, 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 they roll right down the field and they go into halftime Door open you know Michigan still up 13 10 but the momentum was completely shifted and they they came out in that game three and out defensively knocked the quarterback out and then the offense goes down and scores that was the first time I've really seen a great response from a Michigan team in a long time yeah and it carried over to Lincoln where um, you know, they they finally trailed, 22-19. Yeah. And they battled back all the way to the very end of the game. And you mentioned um, that environment. And I've got to say, that is the nicest group of fans leading up to kickoff that you'd ever really? want to be around. Oh, my goodness. Lincoln, Nebraska.
2: Great people, huh? Doug
1: and I, we went to this, um, and I don't remember the name of the, the pub, but we sat outside and there were Nebraska fans. A lot of Michigan fans made the trip. And it was, you know, hey, hey, happy you're here, glad, you know, thanks for coming yeah. to Lincoln. It was, it was great. We talked college Just football. Great Midwestern folks. Huh? It was awesome. And then they kick off. And I'm going to tell you, all those sweet Midwestern individuals – they flipped the switch. They turned on you. Oh my gosh! Uh, they not they're not they're only on guys. us, but the <laughs> the officials. Now the officials. There were obviously some questionable calls. There was a lot of um, reviews, and it, and it was it was grinding that was on a the fans. Brutally
2: officiated game.
1: But to hear the things that came out of those mouths. Oh my goodness! You yeah. kiss your kids, oh
2: your wife, your husband with that oh mouth. My God! It flipped the switch on you. Huh? <laughs> yeah. That was a brutally. I mean, there was one drive. With, like, four reviews. I at the goal line. They had, like, every call wrong. Oh. <laughs> it's like, dude, college football games right now take way too long. <sighs> four-hour games, four-hour and 15-minute games. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. And I understand that they also have, like, the 30-minute halftime, which is brutal. I mean, NFL, you're only getting, what, 12 minutes? 12 minutes, yeah. yeah. 13 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. I mean, you have basically enough time to go in the locker room, take a piss. All right, yep. guys, we've got to run the ball better. Okay, head yeah. out and start stretching for the yeah. second half. College is <laughs> just – dude, the length of these games are brutal, man. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's time for brutal. a meal. you got a meatloaf sandwich, yeah. whatever you want. And also at the end of that Nebraska game, I mean, Martinez is going to Martinez. You know, <laughs> he's going to make that one stupid play. And honestly, I was very similar to the Madison fumble yesterday. I was surprised that there wasn't a whistle blown with the forward progress – and obviously, that's something that you can't review. Yeah, if you don't call it, mm-hmm. you can't review it. Can't I review was a bit surprised, but oh, now you're calling for a review? No, no, no. I, I, no, I, I don't want a review. And I, you know what? And that seems to be a change, really, in all of football. Is that you don't see a lot of quick whistles anymore? No, you know, but it used it to be out. as soon as you got stood up, boom, whistle, play dead. You know, even mm-hmm. on the Madison touchdown yesterday in the Lions game. I mean, he gets stuffed at about the three yard line, and then the offensive line come push. That was a play maybe five years ago. All right, as soon as he yeah. stopped, boom, plays over. Quick but, whistle
1: only comes if you touch the yeah. quarterback now.
2: But Martinez, Gun and Martinez, yeah, he, he did the, the same thing over. against Michigan State. They had just a bad turnover, and uh, but Michigan, I mean, they they that win. You know, so they deserved it. You
1: mentioned Michigan State, um, and that game. I don't want to get into that game right now because the build up. We're hoping that Michigan State beats Indiana. Yeah. Um, and then they've got a bye leading into that Michigan game. Michigan's got their bye this week leading into Northwestern. I think you know most people would say that's that should be a win, and we should have two 7-0 teams. But what I do want to ask you is Kenneth Walker III against Rutgers, 29 carries, 232 yards, one touchdown. That was on the 94-yard 94, 94 touchdown run right? with the upheaval in college football. Uh, and obviously Alabama losing, and all of a sudden now you're not really sure if Bryce Young is Heisman worthy. Matt Corral, who lost to, uh, you know, for Ole Miss, lost to Alabama the week before, had some good numbers, but team success seems to ride so much on the Heisman now as well, especially since it's become a quarterback award. Right. Where do you rank Kenneth Walker III in regards to Heisman... Um, and, and compared to some of the quarterbacks that are in 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 that conversation oh,
2: well he's got to be up there right i i think he i, mean, I think he should be the front he's, runner he's 912 yards the second leading rusher in the nation has had 791 mm-hmm. you know he's got a 120 yard <laughs> lead over uh over the next uh running back who's i think the kid from Syracuse but yeah. uh, you also combine that with the fact that What quarterback? I mean, I'm looking at the top five quarterbacks passing wise. You you couldn't, you wouldn't know none of these guys' names. No. I mean, Memphis, Marshall, Fresno, Western Kentucky, Brendan Armstrong from Virginia. Right. I mean, you don't have going into the season, like you mentioned, who were the top, you know, everybody was talking about Spencer uh, Rattler. He got benched. Everybody was talking about uh, Howell from North Carolina. Mm
1: hmm. He had a tough first week. Since then, he's been pretty good. DJ Uliangulele. Yeah, DJ.
2: DJ U. Yeah. Talking about him. I mean, none of those guys have stood out. When was the last time you heard Clemson? (laughs) Nobody is talking (laughs) about Clemson. Now, I know
1: they weren't off. They they didn't play last week. Their last win was against BC, and that wasn't a a great-looking win. They're no longer in the top 25. Yeah.
2: No, Kenneth Walker has been uh, damn impressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, but the question you ask yourself is – the big plays that they've been having, is that sustainable? You know, to, you had three 60-yard-plus passing touchdowns where, you know, Rutgers didn't want to tackle. You had a 94-yard yep. run uh, from Walker. Is that sustainable? Is that sustainable when you play Michigan? When you play Penn State, when you play, I don't know if they did Michigan State play Penn State this year. I the,
1: yeah, they yeah, they're in the Big Ten, so
2: they'll oh, play. Right. Yeah. They'll he'll Penn have State, the Heisman moment opportunities because he'll play right. Michigan, he'll that's, play Penn State, he'll play Ohio State, and that's what it's going to come down to. Because okay, you, you had a big game against Northwestern, you had a big game against Youngstown State, you had a big game against Western Kentucky and Rutgers. The only can knock- you do it against Michigan? Can you do it against Ohio State? Can you do it against Penn State? That's what it's going to take, especially as a running back now is can you do it in the big games? You can't go out there and rush for 40, 50 against those three big teams in your division. And and so the only
1: knock that. on Kenneth Walker III right now is that the best defense that they played would have been Nebraska. Right. And he had 19 carries for 61 yards. Exactly. Now, that's not all on him. Sometimes it's situation, Sometimes right. it's play calls. It's obviously blocking. Yeah, of course. But I think he is a guy that when he gets the ball in his hands – um, and obviously, I, I tune into Michigan State for a lot of different reasons. But I actually tune in now because I want to see him play. Right. And when...
2: Is I it think, all... Yeah. Is, does he have the flash or is it all smoke? Right.
1: right. And, and I think that is... That's one of those things that, that Heisman voters... You, you think about back to when Lamar Jackson, um, you know, won the Heisman. Part of why he did was he had great numbers. But you tune in, and you watch him play because you want to see something amazing. Right. On Saturday, we tuned in to Rutgers to see Michigan State play, partly because I wanted to see something amazing, and then he rips off a 94-yard run that was, I wouldn't say it was amazing, but it was a damn
2: good yeah. run. Oh, yeah. It's not, and it's not a Reggie Bush-esque you know, esque player where he's going to make these incredible flashy plays, but... That, I think that's just the question for me. Is it, is it sustainable? It, are the big plays that they're having... I mean, I've never seen a team have this many explosive plays. It almost seems like 80% of their touchdowns are from 50, 60 yards. <laughs> it's yep. just, you know, and, and that's something that... Uh, Kenneth Walker has been a dog. He's been an absolute dog, man. And he has been... He has shown that he is tough to tackle. That 94-yard run, I don't know how many guys had a chance to tackle him. I mean, yep. they just... Had no interest.
1: Well, and and so I want. I'm going to hit you. He's been impressive, man. He's been damn impressive. I didn't prepare you for this question, but I'm sure you'll be able to piece it together. Coming into the season, I think it was Clemson and Alabama. Most people had one, two, or Mm -hmm. you know, some somewhere in the top four. You had Oklahoma. you, You had Ohio State. You had some of those, you know, frequent visitors to the college football playoffs. Now you've got Alabama's got a loss, Oklahoma doesn't, but I believe they will have a loss um sooner rather Man, than should've. later. <laughs> uh, they should have yeah should've. Um, but the top five looks completely different than what we thought at this time of the year. Georgia at one, Iowa at two, and this is the a p um you got Cincinnati at three, Oklahoma at four, Alabama comes in at five, then you got three big ten teams Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan at six, seven, and
2: eight, yeah. Five Big Ten teams in the top ten.
1: Yeah, four of them are the Big Ten East. Yeah, that's a bitch of a division.
2: Most of them are going to have to play each other. Yeah, (laughs) Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan State. I mean, that's going to look totally different in three or four weeks. But um,
1: who's your top four right now? If the college football playoffs were this weekend,
2: yeah, I mean, you still got to put Alabama in there. You do. I mean, I think it's just because I think when you just look at the way these two teams play, Alabama and Georgia. I, I, I just don't see Alabama losing again this season.
1: Unless they, well, I mean, they play Georgia in the SEC championship yeah, game. I just. That's strength on strength. Alabama's offense, Georgia th- defense. But I think those are the two top teams.
2: I really do. Yeah, but if Alabama loses that game, there's no way they get in with two losses. Right, but I don't think, I, I, I'm just talking about f- pure physical talent and what they yeah. can do. I mean, I, I guess I don't it's think unfair that said, said, I'm putting you in that position. If I I want right Alabama now, play right now, who's winning that game? Uh, I, uh, Alabama. If Alabama and Cincinnati play right now, who's winning that game? Alabama. If Alabama and... Oklahoma? Oklahoma play. Alabama. If Alabama and Michigan State play. If Alabama and Michigan play. Michigan. I <laughs> 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 no, you're good to do that. I know you're good to do that. I disagree. I, I don't think there's... I don't think any of those other top five teams no. are beating Alabama. I just don't. And Georgia's been... I mean... Georgia's been steamrolling teams. Yes. They've been just <laughs> steamrolling teams. And that that they obviously had that matchup with uh what was well, they had Arkansas was week one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: Clemson was week one. They won ten three, and that yeah, was the, Yeah, the defensive dogfight. Yeah. yeah, you want to talk about not letting the team beat you twice. I think that might have set Ale- or Clemson right. on yeah. a path that they're currently on. I mean, I
2: just don't remember the last time Clemson scored three points in a game. I don't know if it's ever happened. Uh oh, yeah. <laughs> especially with what they did. Yeah, been probably Dabo's first years. year, yeah. I mean but yeah, you look at what they did to Arkansas who thirty seven nothing. Yeah, shut out. I mean, even Auburn, I don't know if you know, Auburn's kind of been in that yeah. fraud category for mm-hmm. a while now. The Bo but, Nick's another quarterback uh, that, you know, was in the
1: conversation right, for, yeah. for
2: Heisman, but just no longer. It's been a weird it's been a weird year for college quarterbacks. Yeah. It's been a weird year, man. And I and we talked about this earlier in the week was you know, when it comes to Lions-related, if there's a light at the end of the tunnel in a Trevor Lawrence-type guy, in a Justin Herbert-type guy, the narrative completely changes. People are saying, okay, this Minnesota game, if yeah. they would have won, we'll hey, good. why we'll still the hell lose. are you winning? What right. are you? That was a useless win, pointless. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? But the fact that there's no consensus, number one, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah. Because uh, you're just not completely tanking. changed the narrative. Because what do you, what do you, what do you essentially want them to lose for? Right. I mean, Thibodeau, I mean, that's kind of been really the only name that's been thrown around defensive end out of Oregon. Yeah, but it looks like a freak show. But I mean,
1: yeah, but he has been he's been hurt. So he's been hurt. You haven't got to see don't him even a lot. Know what, right. Yeah. What they're yeah. talking. About. Is
2: he a Miles Garrett type guy? I don't know if he is. No, hell yeah. Hell yeah, let's go get him. Yeah, hell yeah, let's go get him. But the fact that there's that these quarterbacks have really been just kind of in the bed in college football, it's kind of thrown off the narrative in the NFL because there's not a lot of teams now that are sitting there saying, well, does it matter if we have the third pick or the tenth pick? I mean, yeah. <laughs> who's going who's to be the first quarterback taken off the board after whatever six, seven, seven eight weeks of college football there's not a unanimous answer. Nobody no. knows.
1: And and so you just think about, okay, the last couple of years, right? And, and it, Justin Herbert was in the conversation for a while, but it was yeah. Tua. Uh, and then it was, you know, by this time of 2019, you knew that it was going to be Joe Burrow in the yeah. season that he was having. And obviously Tua's last coming year. coming off an injury. Yeah, and, and last year that. it was Trevor Lawrence, right? That's right. the one that you knew. Um, and, and so there wasn't really, and Mac Jones by this time last year, people were like, okay, Justin Fields was always in the conversation, yep. Zach uh, Trey Lance, Zach, Zach yeah. Wilson was really not in the conversation, but Until by later, this time yeah. of the year, he was right. Right now, none, all of those that were supposed to be in the conversation to your point, have the bed. Yeah, nothing. And it's like, okay, it, who it, are we?
2: I mean, let's see how the season plays out, but. If you're thinking Spencer Rattler's your guy, you just got benched. He's he's got to go back. He, <laughs> you know, I, here's my prediction do do for now?
1: Spencer Rattler is he doesn't come out this year. He's got another year of eligibility and if he's not going to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, he's going to be a grad transfer somewhere.
2: Yeah, kind of pull the uh Jalen Hurts route, yeah. you think? Yeah, maybe he'll go to Alabama just to yeah. the opposite. Just, yeah. I don't think Nick Saban will want him. Yeah, no. I mean, it's uh you know, and I saw a video yesterday. I don't mean to, you know, crap on this kid, but Spencer Rattler there was this video of him from like high school. Some 11, you know, some seven on seven tournament, and he's just completely throwing his teammates under the bus. Yeah. Like, you ran that, that's on you. You know, and he's like, the whole, he was just like killing his teammates. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know a lot about Spencer Rattler, but mm, he's pretty easy to root against. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yes. That was probably, you know, he was yeah. whatever that QB1, sh- you know, documentary oh, was. And yeah, Tate Martell. He just, oh, he looked like that That's worked out well tur- for him, Tate too. Tate Martell, what a, he's on like his fourth school. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's back in, the, in Nevada somewhere. Oh, man, yeah, I mean, it's crazy how fast that changes, right? But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it completely flips the conversation of, When you talk NFL football, who are you taking after? Right, if you if the college football season was over right now, who's the number one pick in the NFL draft? Who are the top five picks?
1: Well, nobody knows. Yeah, nobody knows. I mean, we could pull out some 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 guys.
2: Yeah, but say Thibodeau's probably up there.
1: Thibodeau would probably be one. You you got to start talking about Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. Um, you know, the, um, the, the corner, he it, it, it slips my mind right now from, uh, LSU Stingley Stingley. Yeah. yeah Derek Stingley. Yeah, Derek Stingley. But again, you're talking about I me. Mean, we've had an issue with Jeff Okuda that we took at number three. Saying, yeah. oh, that's too high to take a corner. Well, those are your top guys coming out this yeah. year because there's not a quarterback and running back. You're not going to take a running back in the top 10. No,
2: I mean, <laughs> it's going to be interesting, man. No. It's I know we got a lot of football left, but it's just, this has been a year. I really unlike any other where who are the top dogs in college where you what who are you excited about what prospects are you excited about taking a chance and it might come down to a couple teams maybe the lions are one who may may take a quarterback but it's going to be a coin flip you know i do talk uh, you hear people talk about the kid from liberty you know malik Malik uh, willis Willis, right and Obviously, nobody knows anything about him unless you're watching YouTube clips, right? (laughs) Nobody watches Liberty games. Uh, And I'm sure there's some flashes, but even if you take a kid like that, it's not a Trevor Lawrence. It's not a Trey Lance. It's not a Mac Jones pick where you're sure, hell, you know, this this is our guy. That could be a coin flip, and it's – man, it's – it's gonna. It's, yeah, it's, weird be how it's, it's weird how it's shaking out so far. It
1: will, but we'll keep an eye on it as yeah. well as uh, uh, we'll be here, again, obviously, again next week talking about hopefully a win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, obviously, the week after that, we'll be talking about the matchup with uh, the L.A. Rams and Matthew Stafford. So keep it right here for all your Lions information, college football, uh, and just uh, a whole lot of fun stuff. This is Necessary Roughness with Lang and Jansen.